Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucette, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. As we do every week, we're joined by a, a brand new guest from a, a different martial arts style, different background, and we're going to learn about their journey through the world of martial arts. My guest today, for about 15 years, he was a political and public affairs consultant, spent time in the United States Senate staff, and worked as a state executive director for two presidential campaigns had multi-state corporations and national organizations in telecommunications and transportation as clients. During this time, he appeared on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, national broadcast and local affiliates, and even Nickelodeon. He provided political perspective for King 5 Television in Seattle. He's attended many diverse spiritual experiences, from spending several years as a Franciscan friar to a year-and-a-half tutelage with Lakota Medicine Woman times with a Shinto group and mystics and healers of different modalities. He's a proud graduate of Eastern Washington University and still holds season tickets to the Eagles football games. But of course, we're probably not going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk about martial arts. So please welcome to my guest today, Mr. Chris Wilder. How are you doing, sir? Brian, uh, thank you. Uh, boy, uh, I like hearing all of my diverse accomplishments read in your melodious tone. <laughs> well, hey, like I mentioned before, I do, I do voiceover work. So, I, <laughs> so, so sometimes kick it to that level just a little bit, but yeah, it's a, definitely, definitely an impressive, uh, impressive resume. Um, a lot of political stuff, which we never get into on this show. So that's, that's a good yeah, thing. It's fine. Uh, that would, that would, that would be bad if we brought up politics here. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but Hey, it's Agreed. all good. But like I do with most of my guests, what we like to start with is we go back to the beginning. What was that? first spark what what was that first interest in martial arts what made you seek it out was you know was it a tv show was it a you know movie was it a friend comic book as many different answers i heard from many guests just kind of what led to that first interest oh it was it, you, you hit it right there brian it, it, it was a tv show uh it was johnny quest and it was race bannon Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Johnny quest is an interesting show. It's the, it's the only animated show to appear on all three of the, uh, big, uh, uh, stations, ABC, NBC, CBS. And when you turn that on as a kid and you're looking at race Bannon, who is swinging from a rope and shooting a Tommy gun and throwing people with his judo throws and he's wearing slacks. You're like, yeah, I want to do that. Mom, that. <laughs> and, and that's that's really uh, how it began was uh, that very popular television show that was a cartoon that was good enough to make it on all three of the uh, big stations. Wow. So then did you then right away, did you go and seek out a local school or what led to your first uh, first school, your first instructor? Yeah, there was no local school. I, uh, it was, it was pretty rough. Uh, the, to get to class class was on Sunday afternoons 
and uh, hmm, let me tell it this. Okay, well, what happened is we would come back from from church, and then I would get on my motorcycle and ride down the driveway, across the road, down through the uh, two different orchards, and get to my place, Jeff, uh, my friend's Jeff's house. And Jeff and Rich and I would have uh, Jeff's older brother Blaine drive us to um, the town where the class was, and that was just about a 60 mile trip. So it's about a 120 round trip. And um, we paid for gas and we had to uh, buy a pineapple milkshake for Blaine because he could drive. Uh, That was, it had had to stop at the Dairy Queen and get that. And, um, you know, that was when it really uh, became serious. Prior to that, uh, my mom used to make the drive and uh we would go down there now that was the way it was and i had to earn extra money around the the ranch to uh with extra chores to to make the the money to pay for the lessons and then you know you you trained on your own during the week and you went down there and spent about two and a half hours training in the either the uh, union hall or the um, um, armory depending on what was going on and that's the way that it went. And um, that was Taekwondo. Okay. And I was pretty fortunate to have uh, some uh, good people that had their hearts in the right place uh, as teachers. So uh, yeah, that was my experience. That's where that began. And then, you know, you, you, you get out, you go to university, you start getting some more diverse experience and, uh, you know, you go from there. Do you remember which style of Taekwondo that was, which organization? Oh, it was the um, it was the old World Taekwondo uh, Federation. Okay. This was back in the seventies. So it was definitely more traditional then. Oh yeah, yeah. If you looked at some, uh, you know, we did the Pumsei, and if you looked at some of those things, you'd say, you know, that looks a little bit like Shotokan. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so was that the uh, was that the Palge forms mm-hmm. where you guys were doing? No, do no, okay. no, no. We were doing. Um, uh, it wasn't the ITF forms. It, um, it was the, um, it was the Pumse forms. Okay. And, um, so it wasn't like Taeguk and Chunji. Uh, it wasn't the Taeguk. It wasn't the, was it the Pogge? Yeah, it was the, it was the Pogge forms. Yeah. Pog, that's what Pogge, it was. Ichang, Pogge, Samchang. Pogge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Those are the same, yeah, same ones my current school still does. Actually. I, I, I liked them. There, like it's them. rare to find schools that still teach the Paul Gate. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, you know, that was back when the earth was cooling. So you know, who knows <laughs> what's going on now. So what was it about that first instructor that made you want to keep coming back? Well, it was, it was actually a cadre of three. Okay. And they were nice. I was just a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like in the seventh or eighth grade, something like that, maybe sixth, something in there. Time, I'm not a great measurement of time. You right. know, I say to my friends, hey, you remember that thing we did the other day? And they're like, oh, that was 11 years ago. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. All right, well, you know, in my world, uh, in this in this uh, bucket of a head, you know, I, I, time doesn't really um, doesn't really fit too well. But, you know, they were, uh, they were helpful. They were kind. Of course, you know, there were expectations as, as any school would have. But they were just... Hmm. It's almost like they were my troop leader in Boy Scouts. Oh, okay. You know, they, they sort of had a, a, a mentoring about there was a little more latitude that was allowed. Uh, there were still rules and, you know, things were to be, but, but there was an understanding that 
you know, you're learning something here, son. You're learning something here. So, hey, 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 pay attention. Oh, okay, okay. No, 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 over here, over here. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, so that's how uh, I remember them as being um, more allowing than some of the, uh, well, certainly than the, what their teachers were. Their teachers were um, were hardcore guys that had uh, had some either time in Korea or were associated with the uh, ROC, uh, as you know, those times would provide. Mm -hmm. I would say that they were a little uh, more uh, accommodating to uh, young American kids. So, you know, that th that would be the, the cliff note, I think, on it. Okay. And do you remember um, what belt you got to with, with that organization? Oh, I got to my second degree. Oh, so you're um, with them quite a while then. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the instructors changed mm -hmm. and they, uh, um, I'll tell you this story. It's, this is, this is right out of, you know, some script writers, uh, fevered dream, but, um, the dojong had collapsed. Um, I think it was instructors had to move and, you know, whatever the story was, I'm not sure. And, um, one of the guys was uh, living in the adjacent town who had been a superior to my instructors. And he, I went and knocked on his door and he said, hey, look, you know, I got I got I got a wife. I got a new baby. I'm starting to do my I'm building my own individual business. I don't have time for you. And I kept coming back. And finally, he said, I check with my wife. She says that it'd be okay. And I would like to do it. So be in my rec room Tuesdays and Thursdays. We start at 730. Nice. Okay. And so he took me to um, my my second degree under that private instruction. And that's, I, I, it's it's corny. It's hokey. Like I said, it sounds like it came right out of some guy's computer who was writing the next great American uh, screenplay. But <laughs> That's what happened. So he didn't have you like waxing his car or painting his fence or anything? <laughs> no, no, I didn't have to do any of those kinds of things. Um, and we still remain friends today. We, uh, we have other things that have occurred in our lives that um, are um, personal and tragic. Okay. And they have mirrored each other. And when we do speak, it is as if no time had passed. So then I imagine... You know, since it was majority of your stuff was private lessons, you probably didn't get a lot of opportunity to get into teaching at that point in your martial arts journey. I opened my first uh, dojong in 80, oof, 81, okay. I think it was. And I was, uh, I was Edon at the time. Okay. And he said, yeah, go ahead, go do it. Go, go, go sick. And so I did. And I had, um, mm, I don't know, 10, 12 students, I think. And uh Yeah. You know, and, and it was uh, it was a good time. My uh, my employer at the time, I said, hey, this uh, this part of your shop, you're not using it for anything. He's like, nope. I'm like, can I put a Taekwondo school in there? And he went, yep. Nice. <laughs> That's what I did. That's cool. And so uh, I built a I built a, a floor in there using uh, two by fours and plywood and uh, built a kind of a cantilevered supported floor and you know, hung a heavy bag from one of the support beams and people would come and we would train. 
That's kind of cool, actually. So do you think it, uh, I'm just curious that you're like your first time teaching, because I know normally like with me, I started helping teach in group classes when I was probably a greener blue belt. I mean, with a lot of private lessons, you probably didn't get a lot of that. So how was that? Think about your first teaching experience, like your first class you got to teach. What was that like? A little overwhelming or? No, no, I was, uh, I was supremely confident in my skills as a teacher and uh, that confidence was um, ill-placed. <laughs> uh, uh, but with that, that supreme confidence, I wouldn't call it arrogance, but I was pretty sure that I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I didn't, I wasn't. And I think that anybody that, uh, if you went to a school teacher and maybe they've had 15 years of teaching, you know, you'll ask them, you say, well, were you prepared for your first day? And the answer is going to be, oh, I thought I was, but I wasn't. <laughs> you know, you ask any staff sergeant, were you prepared to lead? No, I wasn't, but I was sure I was, <laughs> you know, and everybody, I think, discovers the difference between theory and practice, you know, exactly. and that's a, that, that's what happens. And so, like I said, you know, I was, I was supremely confident that I knew what I was doing and I knew how to teach and I knew how to reach people. And, um, I, I wasn't. And, uh, when I began to realize that because I got, uh, metaphorically punched in the face a couple times, uh, then it was like, okay, well that's got to change. And, and I was flexible enough to make the adaptations, which, uh, flexibility and, uh, me are not two words that go together because I'm, I'm fairly confident in position that I've taken and uh, just as a natural, just, you know, as a natural way that I function in the world. So if you were to Myers-Briggs me, you would find me to be an ESTJ, which sort of means that, um, you know, I like the trains to run on time and that will happen. And that, that, that attitude has since changed in my life and I've become more flexible because I saw value in that. Uh, but there was um, a time that, uh, you know, I wasn't very flexible and I was pretty sure about how things needed to be. And that's the way it was. Not an attractive look, I, mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, but nonetheless, that's what I did. And, and, you know, you learn from it and you move on. Nice. Now, in your uh, on your website, I'm reading here, you do have black belts in multiple styles. So when did the, the cross-training start? When did you, you know, did you start training in another school while you were teaching? Did you start another style or did, was you training at the same time? How did that, how did you decide to branch out into other martial arts? That was not a, that was, a, that was both a conscious and decision and sort of catch as catch can. I took Shotokan because my, um, uh, like I said, the, the, the Taekwondo dojong had collapsed. Well, I found out that, um, one of the local police officers was a black belt in Shotokan. It's like, Hey, uh, would you? He's like, yeah, show up in my backyard. So we did that for a while until he was, uh, transferred or left or whatever it was. You know, I, uh, was, um, living in, um, Spokane at one time and I trained uh in Ed Parker's American Kempo and oh. had a chance to to meet and talk with him on several occasions. Very was cool. A, was a really very cool dude. Um learned a lot from him on just how to handle oneself. 
you know, uh, just I could I could go on for hours about that. <laughs> Got into Gojuru because I couldn't find a Taekwondo school at my university. And that doesn't mean it didn't exist. I just didn't know where to find it because this was before the age of uh, computers in this, you know, as we know them today. Uh, so it was like, you got to find a flyer taped up on a cork board somewhere. And if somebody didn't do that, you didn't know where it was. Guy throws a kid, hey, what are you doing? I'm doing this Goju Ruta. Oh, I'll go do that, you know, <laughs> and stuck with that. And then one day I was at the uh, Cherry Blossom Festival. I had decided uh, probably 18 months to two years prior to going to the Cherry Blossom Festival in Seattle, which is a, a major Japanese uh, event that takes place at the Seattle Center where the Space Needle is. The uh, I had decided that the throws that I was being taught were just not good. It, it, it couldn't make them work. So I thought, well, you know, these guys in judo, they seem to know what they're doing. And so I'm at the Cherry Blossom Festival and I'm just sitting there uh, watching this demonstration. And, and I turned to my wife and said, hey, man, these guys are really good. And some guy leans forward and gives me a card, Seattle Judo Dojo. Nice. Okay. So, so I, I go down there with intent to go learn to, you know, I don't know, five, six months, kind of get some idea about what's going on here. And, you know, I wind up staying for 15 years <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and the Seattle judo dojo is the oldest judo dojo in the United States. Oh, wow. Um, okay. yeah. And it's, it's, it was just, a a phenomenal place. I, I loved being there. I love judo, but you know, a detached retina kind of makes you slow down. It's like the doctor's going, yeah, you're going blind in that eye. Why detach retina? Oh, okay. What do you do? Judo? Yeah. Well, guess what? You know, really? Yeah. You know, we're going to fix this and I don't want to see you again. Okay. So, um, you know, that has gone by the wayside, but that's, uh, that's a long answer to a short question. So the answer is some things were sought and some things I fell into, but it didn't make any difference whether I fell into them or whether I sought them. I went after them with the same gusto. Okay. So, so yeah. it says here, Goju Ru, your sixth dance. Obviously, that's the one you, you've gone the furthest mm -hmm. in as far as rank. Mm -hmm. What was it about that style? What, what, uh, what did you enjoy about it? What made you stick with that one? Well, it, it fits my body better. I'm not a, uh, let's put it this way. I, I'm a wrestler lineman kind of body type. You know, I played, I played football. I played on the line. Uh, I wrestled, you know, I'm not uh, a gymnast sort of body. So the Okinawan system fit my, my body demeanor for lack of a better phrase. I don't know that that really can, conveys it but and i did like what i was doing in the taekwondo because because i liked it mm -hmm. but the you know i could have walked into gojuru i could have probably walked into shonru or ishinru or tomorrow i could have walked into any of those uh, or weichiru and been fine uh, i probably would have you know stayed with that because it just it sort of resonates with me it's almost like a a drink some people take their coffee black and other people go to the other end of the spectrum, lots of cream and sugar. And that's their palate. That's how they, that's how they like the taste. You know, some people like the darker chocolates, other people like the milk chocolates and you can't really argue with them about it because it's what they like. 
So, you know, when I look at, at, at Gojiru and Judo, those two go together really well. Taekwondo and Judo don't go together so well. You gotta, you gotta work pretty hard to build the bridge. It isn't that it can't be done. It just is a different way of solving the problem of violence. And so, you know, a little, a little, a little higher stance, a little more hands, a little less feet, a little lower kicking. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that suited my, my demeanor. So I went from, you know, one form of chocolate to the other form of chocolate or one way of drinking your coffee to another way of drinking your coffee. I think that when it comes to these things, martial arts being one of them, boy, and I hope, I hope people are going to listen to this because this is, I think this is so important. Your only allegiance is to your own training. It's not to a system. It's not to a style. It's not to an instructor. If you build yourself in a style with a system and an instructor that you like and you enjoy, you're doing it correctly. If you're doing it from the top down, I don't want to, I put in so much time. I've got the sunken cost fallacy. I don't want to, I don't want to leave. I don't want to lose. What, what? You're going to lose all that training. You're going to lose all that. No, you don't lose anything. You just move to a different place. The idea that you're being beholden to a group or an organization because you made a commitment, you got it, you buy, you know, and you start rationalizing it. That's not a successful way to do it. Do it from the other way, build it from the ground up so that what you're doing is you're saying, I want to be here. I want to support this instructor. I want to support this school. I find value in this. They're teaching this, that the world is better. The students are improving. Everybody is becoming better. Their families are becoming better. Their community, because of this organization, this instructor, this group of board of directors, that's the way to do it. Think of it this way. Every bad law in America, well, in the world, but I'll talk about America, <laughs> is every bad law is from the top down and can't be enforced. Every good law organically grows up from the people saying this works for us. And then the government codifies it and says, yeah, we agree that school zones should be 20 miles an hour because that makes our, yes, we all agree 20 miles an hour is a good safe speed to be going in a school zone. And that's what we're going to do. And if you don't do it, the government has a right because the people say so to fine you for that, to make you remember that you need to do this because it's about kids being safe because kids are a young school of mush. They don't pay attention. They'll run out into the street. The other way around is to say, you know, you need to do this. And if you don't do it, we will fine you. And, you know, it's like, well, you better make sure that you got the ability to enforce it. And if you don't have the ability to enforce it and you made the law, you just became moot because now all the rest of the laws don't work. It's a bad way to go. Right. So when you're approaching your martial arts, look at it that way from the ground up, not from the top down. What am I getting? How am I going? Am I getting stronger? Am I getting better? Am I, is it meeting my needs? Is it reaching me in a way that is making my life better, increasing the quality of my life by extension, my family, by extension, my community. If you follow those rules, you'll be fine. If you go the other way, you're going to have a sour taste in your mouth and you're going to be like all the other people that we've met that go, I used to, but, 
Yeah. I like that. So, so then do you primarily just teach, um, Gojuru at your school then, or do you still mm-hmm. blend in some of the other stuff? No. Um, well in, in Gojuru, we have, I would say seven of the classic judo throws. So we, we do that. You know, we learn how to fall. We learn how to pad out. We learn how to throw. We learn how to manipulate, you know, somebody, you know, to, to get them down on the ground. Seven throws, uh, you know, the Ipan Seonagi, the, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Okay. The Every once in a while, I'll whip out a little Taekwondo for some fun, kind of shake it up. It's like, hey, guess what? Today, we're not just getting a cheese pizza. We're getting an extra cheese pizza. <laughs> Check this out. We're going to do this, you know, and 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 have fun with it. Now, they're never held to, you know, you, oh, you're never going to be responsible for this. I'm never going to ask you to do this in an examination. Or anything. This is for fun. It's for exposure. It's you should know these things. Be big, be bold, get out there, do some new things. Here's a here's a cookie day and we're going to learn something different. But at its core, I teach Goju-ru. That's that's it. And at any time, if, if another art can support that, uh, then that happens uh, as I know it to be. Now, I spent a lot of time in our niece. Uh, and do I teach our niece? Eh, sometimes we'll whip out the sticks and kind of play around because it's a little bit of fun and you should know those things. I go back to uh, what Miyamoto Masashi said. And he said that, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He said, you don't have to master every style. You just have to be familiar with it. So you know what you're facing. So, you know, and that's a good way to do it. It's like, I don't need to go out and collect a whole bunch. No, I went and spent, what did I do with our niece? I don't know, a year and a half, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can learn some things. And if you've got some foundational work and some other arts, you know, you can sort of append on and just like, oh, okay, I get it. I see where we're going. Contextually, it makes sense. I, yeah, all right. Yeah, I see what's happening. Oh, this is the way we want to approach it. Okay, got it. You know, and you, you can, you can go along and move that way. So, you know, lot, lots of things to be learned, but not necessarily to um, inject them with the intent of appending them on to change the core art, but simply to be able to say, you know, here's a tangential place. Here's a tether that goes out to this art. You might want to know something about that. You might want to know my students, they're like, hey, you know, this guy's coming in. He's doing a seminar. Are you going to go? And it's like, yeah, actually, I'm not going to go because it doesn't fit with what I'm doing. But you should go and come back with something to share with the class. Okay, so go and learn and get a lot of stuff. But keep your eyes sharp because I want you to come back with something because you're going to teach it. So be ready. Very yeah. cool. I like that. Yeah, I've, I've had a few instructors over the years who have done that also. And you know, we have students that come in, oh, I went to a judo seminar over the weekend. Good. You're going to teach us some judo next week. So that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. so think back to that, that first school you opened then, you know, in the, in the 80s. How do you think your teaching style has changed over the years? Much more flexible, more, more bottom up than top down. You know, at the, um, when, I, when I talked about flexibility earlier, I am more flexible and more tolerant. I'm more interested now in meeting the people where they are instead of making them comply. Now that sounds a little soft. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the words, it's like, oh, this guy's over here giving, you know, butterfly hugs and mussing people's hair. And it's, it's okay. Try again. You know, I, I focus more on the positive 
than I do than I did in the past. You know, don't do it this way, do it that way. I'm much more about that was good. Let's be great. Let's, um, hey, I see you've been working on that. In the old days, it would have been, hey, I see you've been working on that. Let me show you what you need to do to make it better. Now it's, hey, you've been working on that at home. That's great. Would you keep doing that? Because you're getting better. Different attitude. And I don't feel compelled to interject instruction at every moment. Sometimes it's okay now to just let things go and not have to get out there and, and tweak stuff. And it's like, hey, let me show you something. You know, that's really good, but here's what you need to do now. No, let, let the more you aid people in having success, the more they're going to want to engage in the journey, stay longer, get results, share it with others. That's far more important than whether or not, you know, your thumb was turned at 30 degrees or 65. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that 65 down the road. That'll come along. But right now, my teaching is far more positive, almost to the point of silliness. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was great. That was fantastic. I mean, woo, that was awesome. And I call people out for doing great stuff. Hey, hey, everybody stop for a second. Hey, Sabrina, come up here. Come up here. Hey, I want you guys to see what Sabrina's doing right here. This is very good. Sabrina, show them how you're kicking. Where are you putting your knee? Go ahead, talk it through. Use your words and, and talk it through. Just sort of explain. What, okay, great. Let's go. See, see that, guys? That's what I want you to do. Hey, everybody, try, try it now. Sabrina, show, do it again. Everybody copy Sabrina. Fantastic. Hey, Sabrina, thank you very much. That was fantastic. Quick bow back to the spot. Okay, everybody. Now let's be like Sabrina, you know? Well, you know what? Sabrina is shy, almost mm -hmm. spooky shy. So let's, and I'm just making this up. Right. Uh, spooky shy. I want her to know that this is a safe place. And if you are doing well, you're going to get called out for being successful. You're going to start to get formed into leadership you're going to start to see that you have some gifts and you have some abilities and you should take pride in them. That is far more important to me than that 35 or 65 degree angle on your thumb. Great. I would definitely, I, I think I would enjoy your class <laughs> just from talking about your, your teaching style. You remind, actually remind me a lot of my instructor. So that's kind of cool. So I'm reading on here too, you've authored or co-authored uh, more than 20 martial arts books. What led to that first book? What made you get interested in writing and just, if you want to talk about a few of the books, and I'll definitely put a link to your Amazon page here with all your books on it also. Yeah. I, my, my seventh grade teacher, Margaret Vauter, was extraordinarily formative in my sense of self and capabilities. And she grew up in South Dakota and was rife with North Dakota jokes because, <laughs> you know, that's what you do. But she sent me to a remedial English class and I did not like that. I got out of that as fast as possible. And I have to this day, a problem with the written word. I grew up in a rural part of Washington, you know, there's, at that time, there's no understanding of what somebody may have in regard to a uh, learning. Uh, I don't. I, I don't want to use the word, but I mean disability. The written word has never worked well for me. 
It didn't in the seventh grade. It didn't in high school. It didn't in college. It didn't in the business world. It has always been a different. Now I can read very fast. It's nothing for me to to crush a book in an evening. And uh, I learned how to do that from Teddy Roosevelt, actually. Um, he has a little thing on how to read fast. So it's like, well, okay, I like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> I'll do what he says. But the thing of it is, is that that that, that sort of beat down over the course of all of those institutions will make you not want to put words on paper or on a computer or whatever they are. And, and I've, got, I've got stories at every one of those phases about how brutal it was. And it was, it was, it was an absolute gut punch to the ego every time I had to do a paper and I had to find workarounds. Um, I found a woman in at university that would type my papers and for two and a half times the amount of what everybody else paid for a paper, she would edit and correct my papers done. So what I did is I went and got a job at the local tire store to pay to get my papers written in a correct manner so that I could get a good grade because my ideas were good, but the, the words were bad. So that we jump cut now to uh, Lawrence Kane and I standing in the dojo and him going, you know, you, you should write this stuff down. People don't know this. I'm like, ah, they know it. Yeah, like, I don't think so. So we go through that. And, and of course, I'm going through my my deflecting aversion. And he finally just said, hey, I, I, I came clean. I said, this is the story. And he's like, no, not a problem. We'll do it together. Okay, well, there you go. So 13, 14 years later, here we are. And it's funny that you should bring it up because we just dropped yesterday a Spanish version of the Musashi Field Manual. Okay. So. I think we're at 24 books now. And Very then cool. I've done a couple on a sort of outside the sphere of our joint work, and he's done a few too. So um, so between the two of us, it might be getting close to 30 books. Very cool. That's something I've always thought about doing. I, I, I love creative writing. I've just never had the patience to sit down and do it. One of these days, maybe I will, but I, I just... It was nothing for me to write a 150 page story in creative writing class in high school and college, but to actually take mm. the time to sit down and write a book, I just, I, I'm too busy with other stuff. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a process that happens with this uh, writing and um, it's, uh, it's sort of like, Hey, really, I'm, I'm enthusiastic. This is awesome. What a great idea. Let's start putting pen to paper or whatever, you know, version you do that. Mm. Um, this is getting, and now it's turning into work and this is getting better. This is, this is a bunch of crap. This is horrible. I'm never going to finish this. This is terrible. Wait a minute. No, this isn't half bad. Hey, it's starting to look pretty good. Hey, you know, that editing process isn't as hard as I thought that, 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 okay, great. We published it. You know, so you go through that. And the funny thing is, is that, um, Lawrence and I, I often joke about it. Uh, Lawrence being, you know, co-author of many of these books with me that uh you know we we make a complete personality between the two of us because i'm i'm very um my world swirls in icons and symbology and you know that's how i see the world and time doesn't mean a lot to me and uh and 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 lawrence is the opposite of that so together we come together and make uh, like i i jokingly say a full personality and uh, that process that I described, we very, mm, how can I say this? There are moments where one of us is going, this is, this is crap. And the other guy's going, no, it's not. It's awesome. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, a week later, flip the roles, you know. 
So uh, that's how it works. And we, we are a point now to where we actually joke about it. You're actually in the stage of this is not working. This is horrible. And you're able to step outside it emotionally and look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's about the time that would happen. Okay. Yeah, so. So I have to ask this because this is the reason I actually found you and, and decided to ask you to be a guest on the show. How did you become involved in the documentary Looking for Mr. Miyagi? Oh, he just called me. Really? He just called me. Okay. Yeah. Just called, <laughs> called me up, said, hey. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, this is David Lieband. You know, I mean, you said you look like kind of, it's like, yeah, I'll fly down to Denver. We'll do that. So <laughs> nice. that was that. Yeah. And I've got a friend down there. Um, uh, lives uh, just outside of Denver, Mark Animal McYoung. And it's like, well, this is a chance to go see Mark. And, you know, let's, let's do that. So that that's how it all came together. And David is, uh, Lee Ben is um, just a, a super guy, really pleasant, um, creative, smart, affable, pleasant to be around. Just it, it was it was a delight. It was it was a lot of fun. Nice. I have a re- request in with him to hopefully get him on the show too. So we'll see. It's it's a great. If any, anyone hasn't seen it, I, I literally just, I watched it yesterday, and then sent you an email <laughs> about uh, about doing the podcast, and we're doing it the next day. So it's kind of a quick turnaround there. Probably my probably one of my fastest interviews. That I actually I take the back. My second fastest. I had one guy where I emailed him. And he's like, what about now? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Dang, I'm number two again. <laughs> there, there we go. We should have done it last night. Dang it. No. Yeah. But no, it's, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's a, it's a phenomenal documentary. I, I, I highly recommend it. So, And then before I get into the, the final few questions that we kind of do for fun and stuff, I, I got to ask, I was looking through your site, and it looks like you actually host a couple podcasts too. You want to give a, a little plug to your podcast? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, Martial Arts and Life is a uh, monologue usually has to do with uh, a take, uh, a version, a viewpoint on an aspect of martial arts as a whole, because uh, it's martial arts and life. Sometimes we talk more about uh, life and behavior with a tendril to martial arts, and sometimes it's martial arts with a tendril out to you know life behaviors. Then, of course, uh, over on the Patreon site at Patreon, Chris Wilder, um, that is the after hours. And that is exclusive for Patreon supporters. Uh, it sometimes is a little more blunt, a little direct. Um, it's for uh, the people with uh, the big kid pants, I guess. And 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 then of course there's other attributes within Patreon. You know, there's different levels. You can get you can get different different things. Everything from video instruction to uh, you know inside looks at some of the new projects. Like one of the, one of the new projects I'm working on right now, Brian, is I'm working on uh, San Chin. Uh, it's tentatively called Sanchin, the three fires. Uh, but there's been a lot of questions about Sanchin and I, I did a book on it and I did a DVD on it through YMA. Uh, and that deals, those deal with, uh, the mechanics of it. But what about the physiological aspects of it? I got into the Wim Hof method about seven or eight years ago, I suppose, okay. had an opportunity to train with him. Now, I don't want to make that sound like I was one-on-one with him. I was in a room with him, you know, <laughs> with 200 of his closest friends. Okay. But, uh, you know, I did get a chance to have a, a kind of a little private conversation with him because I like to show up early and he was just walking around in his shorts. And I'm like, Mr. Hoff, he's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, so but uh, that that has led to uh, an adventure in uh, breathing and the physiological aspects of it. And I know we started talking about, you know, the martial arts and life podcast and the and the Patreon. 
but one of the things that happens in the patreon is you get peeks into these projects and so i kind of wanted to tease this out a little bit to okay. let, let you know what i'm doing because I'm, I'm still in that excited phase about this but but what happens to the question becomes not only um in Sanchin, the physiological aspects of it, you know, it's like my hand is here, my arm is here, I tighten this muscle, I do that. But what's happening to your parasympathetic nervous system? What's happening to your sympathetic nervous system? What's happening to your heart rate, your O2 levels? Um, all of those things, I'm measuring heart rate, O2 levels, uh, gamma, delta, beta, theta, brain waves. It's, it's what happens to your brain when you're uh, at rest. What happens to your brainwave when you're engaged in a thought process like doing math? How does that compare to San Chin when you're doing it? And there's been some interesting information that has come forward in regard to the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. And then on top of that, the different brainwaves. There have been some results that I did not anticipate. And uh, also the, the oxygen levels, uh, when you're, uh, doing these various different stages. So yeah, I've got, you know, brainwaves monitored in all three aspects of this, uh, oxygen levels, uh, engagement of the, of the nervous systems. And, you know, I'm talking with a, with a, a doctor that's helping me do some peer review on this. That's also a martial artist. So that is, that's my big flame right now. I'm okay. I'm really buried into that because I think that Sanchin Kata is done incorrectly um, really? on many levels. Okay. And I think I'm proving it. So with science, <laughs> we've, we've heard of science. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Interesting. I actually can't wait to start listening to your podcast. And I know I'm definitely going to be ordering some of your books because you got some good ones out there. So um, oh, thanks. a few questions to wrap things up. So let's say an acquaintance approaches you, they contact you and they say, hey, I'm thinking of getting involved in martial arts. What tips do you give them? What to look for in a school? What to look for in an instructor? And maybe what to avoid in an instructor? Well, it's it's my advice is always the same and it's very simple and it's changed mm -hmm. it used to be oh well you know what do you want to do do you want to you know and you start this you start this long litany of well do you want to train for art do you want to train for this do you want to do that what how what are you looking for you know and all this kind of stuff and it turns into this buffet of a menu of you know and it's like okay well now that now that we've we figured out all of those things and we built you a rainbow colored unicorn, go find that rainbow colored unicorn. <laughs> that's that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to simply go to the school, the martial arts school that is the closest to you, because that's the one you're going to train in. You're going to go to. Really? Yeah. Now. I'm, I'm a maniac. I'm a guy that, you know, uh, back in the day when I was, when I was doing Ed Parker's Kempo, you know, I would drive ugh, a long distance, man. And, mm. you know, and back, I mean, I was, I was driving through one, two, I was going, I was going to three, going through two and landing in a third town to get to the training and then, you know, reversing that in the evenings, but I'm a maniac. Uh, I'm different in that way. Most people go to, I, I say, go to, go to the school that's closest to you because you're going to do it. Now, if it's Taekwondo school, that's what you're doing is Taekwondo. If it's, if it's Japanese archery, go do that. It, it's about immersing yourself in a discipline. It's about subjugating 
your sense of self to others that have come before you that have experience, tradition, and a viability. So go do that. It doesn't make any difference if you're doing, well, I want to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Well, there's a judo dojo at the Y. Yeah, but I want to do, go do the judo. You know, they got, they got a ground game too. It's just different, but go do it. You know, but I want to do, then, you know, you should stop because that unicorn, that rainbow colored unicorn that you're looking for doesn't exist. You should stop. And if it did exist, you wouldn't make the you wouldn't make the distance to do it over time to be successful and then you'd just be standing there going well yeah it didn't work out well of course it didn't work out you set yourself up for failure you know think of it this way if if i told you brian that i was going to relocate to texas a m to go to school one of your kids comes up and says dad i want to go to texas a m and you're like yeah but we got university of North Dakota right here. Yeah, but Texas A&M, okay, you know, and you talk and it's like, okay, I guess A&M is going to be the deal. And you wouldn't think too much of it. Mm -hmm. But if your child came into you and said, I'm going to move to China to go study Kung Fu. You're like, whoa, time out. We got to talk this out. What? What? See, I'm I'm the bad guy to bring that bring that analogy to because in 1996 I I packed up and moved to California to learn American Kempo. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm that guy. Uh, Well, who'd you train with out there? So initially, the whole goal was to train with Jeff Speakman, and then by the time Mm -hmm. I got there, he had moved his school. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I, I mostly trained with um, some of his his students, former students, uh, and uh, Jim Diggs and his wife Mm -hmm. Deanne. I, as Jim mm-hmm. has since passed away, did some training with Larry Tatum, did some training with Jess Beekman, but the, the digs were my primary instructors when I was out there. So, you know, uh, Mr. Tatum and I have uh, become acquaintances and um, we wind up having conversations about other things than martial arts, you know, coffee. <laughs> uh, he, I, I called him up one day. I said, Hey man, I'm face, I'm facing a big business choice. This is what I'm thinking about doing. And he said, don't do that. Do this, do this, do this. And I went, okay. And I, I took his business advice and I'm doing exactly what he told me to do. And it's coming together. Nice. So, you know, I, I really have a, a, a big affinity in my heart for, for Mr. Tatum. He's a, he's a, he's a cool dude. You'll have to listen. Um, his episode will be out in about two weeks with my interview with him. So you'll, you'll enjoy well, that one. I think. Well, well, squid pro row, Mr. Powers, I will have to send you the link to my, uh, to my uh larry tatum interview oh very so, cool yeah well that's yeah. a trade that'll be fun yeah but 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 isn't he isn't he just a he, he's a good dude he he's is a good dude yeah i've chatted with you him know? many many times over the years i first met him in 95 at the internationals yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah just super nice guy yeah nothing to prove happy to talk with you you know you can take his advice or not makes no never mind do as you please <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> until you cross the line then it's a different deal but, um, you know, back to that advice is just go to the school that's closest to you. If you're starting, that's yeah. what you want to do. Now, if you're an advanced practitioner, that's a different deal. Mm-hmm. You've got it. You've got a different decision tree involved in that. So like I, I, I'd have people come into my dojo and they're like, Hey, can I train with you? It's like, yeah, you know, and you come to find out that they've got some background. It's like, it's like, hey, man, where are your belt? It's like, well, but I don't want It's like, you earned it, you wear it. I'm not going to insult your instructor, and I'm not going to degrade what you earned. Put that belt on. Yeah, but you guys don't have a purple belt. We do now. 
Nice. Put it on. Yeah, because it, think of it this way. If you went and you got your undergraduate degree at Stanford, and then you went to go get your master's degree at MIT, MIT is not going to stand there sniffing your degree going, you know, we'd really like you to take English 101 here. <laughs> you know, they're not going to do that. And I think it's ridiculous in the martial arts to do that as well. It's now, if somebody wants to come in and they say, well, I was doing judo and I want to do karate, uh, you know, yeah, okay, that's cool. I get that because there, there's a gap there. But if you're if you're involved in a percussive art and you're coming in, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's that's okay. Good way uh, to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I want to wear my belt to the side because that's what we did in Kempo. It's like, um, I understand what you're doing there, but just go ahead and keep that purple belt on and go ahead and move the knot to the front. It's okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so again, a little more flexibility than there would have been in the past. Okay. You talked a little bit about this on the documentary, so I'm just kind of curious on, on this one, but what are, what are your thoughts on, on MMA and the UFC? Well, I, I don't watch it, Okay. but I would. Uh, I watched the early ones mm -hmm. because that was just a circus freak show, <laughs> yes. and, and I enjoyed that. Now, I've watched a couple of these. I, I, I'll watch boxing before I'll watch MMA. Okay. Be, but that's just a personal choice. It's not, it's not a thing where I've got some sort of uh, big hang up about the UFC. Boy, you can't take anything away from those guys. They're, that, those are some high level, scary athletes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, but when you look at those guys or you look at a, you take a UFC fighter or a boxer in their prime, you and I are going to lose to them and we're going to lose so fast. We won't even know what happened. It's just, that's just, a, it's a matter of fact. And to, to walk around and go, well, you know, it's like asking David Carradine, you know, well, how would you have fared in a fight with Bruce Lee? Well, you know, it's like, no, no, don't, don't even entertain that idea. Cause, because first off, David, you're high. Yeah. Number two, you're high. <laughs> Number three, you got no real skills. Okay. So shut up and quit quit reading your own press releases. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and that's how I feel about uh, that. I mean, those guys, you know, are uh, at a high level, they understand martial arts at a, at a really high level. And if you think about it, they're kind of bringing it back around. If you look at jujitsu and the way I understand its origin was, you know, you lost your, your samurai, you lost your weapons on the battlefield. This guy's got to go on the ground so somebody else can stab him and you can run away. Okay. You know, and that's sort of a cliff note version of it, but you get the picture. Uh, that's why like the judo grip used to be at the armpits when it first started, because that was like grabbing the breastplate. And, and these guys are bringing the, the martial arts back around again. Uh, you know, you're not seeing an attempt to kick a, an incoming punch out of the way, right? You know, it's just that, 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 that's not realistic. It doesn't exist, but, um, but I, but I can kick you in the thigh and keep that punch away from me. So the UFC and, you know, uh, all of those kinds of things, um, I don't watch them. And it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate it. And it's just, it's just not my groove, you know, but wow. Some of those guys are, are something else. I enjoy boxing. I'll watch boxing. Um, I'll watch boxers. I don't even know because 
I just want to know so much about the hand speed and the just I, I just I love I love it. I, that's that's my that's my jam, as the kids would say, <laughs> okay. uh, as opposed to the to UFC. I have nothing against the UFC and I have great respect for everybody that's involved with it. But it's just a, it's like a thing. It's like I don't particularly care for Brussels sprouts. So <laughs> I'm not eating Brussels sprouts and I'm not going to watch UFC because I don't particularly care for it. That's it. You know, it's a great but, answer. But, but yeah, major props to everybody that's doing it. I think it's very cool. Okay. So if you had to put one martial artist on the top of your list that you admire throughout your life, whether it's someone you've actually met and trained with, or, you know, like you mentioned Bruce Lee or someone like that, who would you put on the top of that list? Hmm. Well, you know, that, that comes to that question of who's the greatest athlete of all time. Well, I think Dan Gable was up Hmm. there, you know? Yeah. But if I throw Dan Gable on a court with Michael Jordan, they don't compare. Right. And Michael Jordan on a mat with Dan Gable, you know, it's fish out of water. So, you know, when you start looking at that, you know, who do you who do you consider to be, you know, the greatest martial artist? Well, are you talking about info? You know, and it starts to turn into one of those kinds of things. Right. And so I look at those influential martial artists the same way I look at all of my instructors. I don't really have one teacher that was the one, the most influential. I have a series of martial arts instructors who gave me a a sequential set of gifts uh, that they, that was their treasure. This is, this is the thing that I'm very, very good at. Come get some, let me share this with you. So I can't point to one person. I can point to many and because they all give something like if i looked at bruce lee i would say bruce lee uh inspired me as a young child to to want to be fast and effective i thought that was pretty cool then but then i look at chuck norris and it was like hey that's a white dude (laughs) i am too i can do this too that's a real thing yeah that was a real thing with Chuck Norris. It's like, hey, I don't have to be Asian to be good at this. Yep. Then I, you know, can go down here and I can look at these people uh, that, uh, you know, my some of my Taekwondo instructors. It was, you know, keep your keep your values in life in order. Don't let anything get. Don't over rotate. Don't let things over over skew. Be the middle road. Do the things that need to be done in your life and do the things that you want to do in your life. And, uh, you know, then I can look at my judo instructor, uh, you know, Kenji Yamada. And that that is a man who put one foot in front of the other every day. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about him. Mm-hmm. I was in the locker room after he had died and I was up there with one of the guys, Bo. And Bo had trained with him since he was five years old. And so we're up there in the locker room and I, I pointed to Sensei's gi and it's hanging on a peg and there's his red and white belt, his Akashiro. And I pointed, I said, look at that, Bo. You know, now, now Yamada had been dead for probably uh, two or three months. I said, look at that. And I pointed to his gi and to his belt and Bo looked at it and he goes, yeah, he was coming back. There was no end to him until there was an end. Yeah. 
He hung his gi up and his belt up as if he was coming back tomorrow. He did not know when his last day was. And if you think about that, you don't know when the last day was that you played with your best childhood friend. You don't know when your last day was when your child ran up to you with their arms out saying, you know, pick me up. You never know when those days are. And so you have to keep stepping forward, stepping forward. I learned that from my from my judo instructor. And so, you know, I can go through and I can look at these things. And so I'm not inspired by people on film anymore as I was as a child, you know, whether it was Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris. I'm more uh, inspired by the people that I can get in their field and kind of feel with them and be with them and sort of see what's going on and 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 see how they handle themselves and what what is it that they have to teach they're not they don't have everything but they got something and i, I want to know what that is and I'm, I'm i'm open to it show me something really cool and and they have you know so so i wish i could answer that question and just go oh yeah that was uh so and so no that's a great that answer great actually <laughs> I, I love that answer. <laughs> that's, that's one of the reasons i like i've never gotten the same answer i don't think from anybody with that so i really like that a lot and same yeah. with same with this next one i don't think i've ever had the same answer so throughout your years of martial arts is there one philosophy you've learned that really stands out for you i promise the last few questions will be much easier <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's fine well i think the thing that you want to do is you want to take your martial arts into you and integrate it in such a way that no one knows i don't want to go to a social event and stand in the corner of the room with my club soda giving everybody the sensei eyes what are you doing <laughs> over there you know and it's like no you know and it's like no don't 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 do that it it the, the things that you learn should be integrated into yourself not the other way around. Don't append what you believe to be some sort of affectious behavior to yourself and lose yourself in that deception. Uh, go ahead and be who you are, but take the lessons and take the movements and take that and bring it into yourself and allow it to become part of who you are to a point to where it just disappears inside you and you can be easy to be with. Because that person standing there, you know, with their shoulders back and their and the sensei eyes, it's like, well, you know, that's the, the there's an old joke that says, do you, you're at a party, do you do you know who the pilot is at the party? And the answer is, just give them time, they'll tell you, you know, uh, and and you know, it should not come up, it should not come up. Uh, what do you do for a living? I say I write books, you know. I don't say, well, I'm a martial arts teacher, mm -hmm. you know. It, it, that's not really very accessible. What do you write books about? Oh, you know, self-improvement, uh, body mechanics, stuff like that. You know? Yeah. I try to just, just be easy to be with, be gentle. Don't, don't, don't be, you know, bringing your agenda, enjoy people, enjoy yourself. Don't, don't have some crazy mixed up space zombie idea of, you know, I have to adhere to these 21 precepts that Funakoshi wrote or whatever it might be. Uh, no, those are, those are guidelines. Those are things to help you be a better version of yourself, not be a version of who they think you should be. That's the deal, I think, yeah. is let the art bake into you and become part of who you are, not the other way around. Another great answer. I like it. All right. So the la last few fun ones, and you can't, sure. you can't pick one of your own favorite martial arts book. 
I would have to say I have two. Okay. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the Way and the Power by Loveritt is very uh, interesting. Okay. Uh, it is about uh, samurai um, strate- strategery. Uh, it's about <laughs> samurai strategy. So it's like, you know, something no, no hey-ho. Uh, it might be, you know, mizu no, no hey-ho. And, and um, it, it's short, little, quick uh, things. It's like this is called the, the pillow technique. It's to hold the other person's head down with a pillow. And, you know, it, I think it's quite good. The Way in the Power by Loveritt. And that's tactical in its nature. Uh, I like, I think it is called The Way of the Martial Artist. I read it so many years ago and I have a copy of it and it's blown out. You know, the pages fall out of it and stuff. And um, it's by an Akitoka. Um, his name will come to me in a moment. Okay. But what he did is, is he went and took his martial arts training to uh, recruits in the army, teaching them a little bit about meditation, a little bit about, you know, controlling the body and movements and all of this kind of stuff. And just a super book. In fact, I've, I've over the course of the years, I've had conversations with people. It's like, yeah, I really like this book. And they'll send me a photo of their dog-eared copy of it. You know, <laughs> nice. it's like, absolutely. Yeah. Heckler. It's by Heckler. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think it might be in its third publication. I tried to get him on my podcast and to say he blew me off is not really fair. Um, (laughs) He just said, you know, I I got other things I'm doing. Thanks so much. Right. Uh, You know, but but uh, so so to say he blew me off is not really true. He just he's got other things he's doing and that's fine. And I get it. But it would have been uh, a great conversation. But uh, those are the two books. Uh, I think it's Seeking the Martial Way. The book I'm recommending and the one that I enjoy is In Search of the Warrior Spirit. And it's on its fourth edition, and it's called uh, Teaching Awareness uh, Disciplines to the Green Berets. And it's by Richard Strozzi Heckler. Okay. It is a transformational book. It was for me when I discovered it, I was ready for it, and I read it. And it changed a lot of things. So those are the two books that I like. I like uh, In Search of the Warrior Spirit and um, by by Heckler and the other one by uh, Loveritt, which was uh, The Way and the Power. Okay, perfect. Now this one, you, you grew up in the 70s and 80s, so you may have an answer for this one. You may not. But do you have a favorite martial arts video game? No. Okay. It's about 50-50. A lot of my guests, I, I started asking that recently because a lot more people started bringing it up anyway. So I'm like, I'll just throw yeah. it in there. But no, no worries. All right, last, no. two, last two questions. Favorite martial arts TV show and favorite martial arts movie? Well, uh, my favorite martial arts TV show, since there's really only uh, you know two to choose from, <laughs> um, I was an absolute kung fu freak okay i had to see that show uh that came on i don't know what it was saturday nights or whatever it was it didn't make any difference when it was i was there i had to see it and the thing that i liked most about it was i liked the flashback scenes with master poe to the temple those yeah that was the stuff that ignited me the most i wasn't too much for the 
you know, walk into the town seeking water and we got ourselves a Chinese man here. You know, that yeah. I that was okay. I was living for the flashbacks. And a funny story about that is uh, we were doing movie night at the dojo and um, we played the original pilot. And for those that aren't familiar with the original pilot, that uh, set up Kwai Chang Kane killing the prince of China, whatever he was, and running to America to try to find his father and escape, you know, the bounty hunters that were coming after him. And a, a Shaolin bounty hunter comes after him and they get in a fight in the railway and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the scene ends with uh, the, the the thing ends with a um, scene of the uh, Chinese lighting uh, some of the um, railroads equipment on fire and Kwai Chang kind of just standing there helping out a little bit. And one of the parents, Marty, who's a super smart guy, teaches at the University of Washington, uh, he said to me, that's inconsistent with who this guy has presented himself in the entire <laughs> show. The real Kwai Chang Kane would not engage in that. I'm like, way to ruin it, Marty. You're exactly <laughs> right. But I, I liked Kung Fu because I so appreciated the those flashback scenes those were those were the juice for me those were the middle of the oreo cookie that's what i was looking for favorite movie favorite the legend of ricky is pretty good okay that is just insanely over the top and uh i did like kung pao um because it's just such a spoof yeah it's such a spoofy stupid look at that he punched a perfect circle through him who does that how do you do that (laughs) you know uh I don't have really a favorite, favorite, favorite. I kind of enjoy them for what they are. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Enter the Dragon. That's it. It's like, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was okay. I get it. But, you know, I've seen it 23 times. <laughs> I, I don't need to see it the 24th. But I, I don't really have a, a favorite martial because it's not it's not my genre of movie that I would really gravitate towards anyway. It's. I don't, I'm not a big action movie kind of guy. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'm not much for, for action movies. I, I've never seen any of the Rambos. I've never seen any of the Fast and the Furious. It's just not, it's not my thing. And, and I, I'm not denigrating it or anything. It's just my preference. No, that's yeah. fine. That's it's everyone has their own opinion. So I have yeah. to ask you though, since you mentioned Kung Fu, did you ever watch the sequel from the early nineties? The legend continues. No. Okay. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, um, I I was talking about Oreos and it's like my, it's like my old college roommate said they they came out with double stuff Oreos when we were in college and I said, Hey, swag, check it out, man. They got double stuff Oreos. And he just like crinkled up his nose and he goes, you don't screw with Oreos. They're (laughs) perfect. Leave them alone. And then he paused and he goes, and while you're at it, don't mess with orange crush either. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like orange crush and oreos are fine leave them alone kung fu was fine leave it alone you know i, I just felt like it was a bunch of uh hollywood suits trying to squeeze money out of an existing platform that you know it's like no don't don't do that there you, go. you know and they're, they're doing the same thing you know they're redoing the wonder years yeah yeah the wonder year leave it alone 
It was great. I'll probably watch it just because my daughter wants to watch it. So I'll probably at least give it one episode and we'll see. But yeah. And, and you know what? It might be, it might turn out to be one of those things. It's like, uh, I love British humor and I, I watched the original office and then I heard they're going to do an office in the States. And it's like, no, you know. And it was like, I guess you did. <laughs> I guess you did. You know? So, so I, my, my, my original, position is usually leave it alone let it be what it is don't don't mess with it because generally the version that comes up later it's like uh let me ask you this if if you're flipping around on the tv say and and you flip through and the wild wild west is on you're probably going to hold on it for a little bit and go yeah 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 yeah. oh you're doing the same thing and the movie comes on are you going to even give it two hot seconds no probably not (laughs) no 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 so Generally, I think things should be left to, to, to what they are, but there are those exceptions, but, uh, no, I didn't ever see it. Okay, cool. Well, Chris, I just want to thank you. This has been so much fun. I I enjoyed learning uh, so much more about you and I will definitely post links to your podcast, your books and and, then your school website and anything else. But I I, I truly appreciate the time and I've I've really enjoyed this. Well, you've been a fantastic host. Your, uh, your training Back in the days of a 5,000 watt radio station are coming through. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, for those of you who uh, are listening to the podcast, uh, Brian and I both have um, backgrounds in radio and we were lamenting the loss of radio as we once knew it. And, um, you know, those things, you know, times change and, and it moves on. And, and I think honestly, uh, the diversification of podcasts and so forth have blown right past every program director in the world. And now it's just game on. And we've got some phenomenal stuff out there. Uh, Dan Carlin would not exist on radio. Joe Rogan would not exist on radio. You know, there's just, there's so many different pieces that would never fit that. uh, So things have changed and uh, you know, we had a chance to kind of go back and, and of course we all, we all know you're not supposed to say booger on the air because that'll get you fired. Just like Dr. Johnny fever. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's probably a good way to end it. That's good. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for reaching out, Brian. This is, this has been, this has been phenomenal. But again, my friend, Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.